Hamilton on your show. Everybody, I'm the love child of Arn Anderson and the Gobbly Gooper, Daniel Hummer, your host for this evening. I'm here with the, the most knowledgeable person in the wrestling community. Uh, actually, he couldn't make it in, so Doug's here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one you're talking about, should, if you're listening to this right now, call in, goddammit. So that's Doug. Yeah. Uh, Eric's here. He nasty. What's up? How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. That's good. And uh, Clint is here. How are we doing, Clint? I'm good. Good. We are here for another edition of the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Today we have a special tier list. We're going to be doing bookers slash promoters slash creative team members. So... If you ever put a match together in the wrestling business, you're going to be on this list. Uh, we, we were kind of liberal. Uh, we put like creative team members in because they had to, because they booked. And uh, just straight bookers from the territories. You know, Vince will show up. Uh, but speaking of Vince, we got some news to cover. Okay. Uh, do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? Well, you start. You just took a deep breath. I don't want to take that from you. Okay. Uh, Vince McMahon is back in the news. He was back in the Wall Street Journal, and not for a good reason. Uh, it turns out that he paid, I think it was over $13 million in hush money to four different women. Over 12 million. Years. 12 million. 12 million? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, including one to a former... A uh, female member of the roster back in the year 2005. Because uh, what happened was uh, she was going to, he wanted, you know, his, uh, uh, his knob slobbed. She said no. Uh, and then what happened? She got... She got or demoted and then fired or something like that, right? Yeah. He tried to get her to give him oral sex, which is a blowjob. Yeah. Which is, I guess, also knob slobbing. Well, yeah, because some people do refer to the... Token yogurt could be another good phrase for it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, she didn't want to do that. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) and he paid her hush money. There's quite a bit. There's a few... uh, non-disclosure agreements that he and his lawyer signed off on. Uh, Johnny Ace has his own, too. So, yeah, they've been doing some freaky shit over there. Now, like, the one in 2005 that they were talking about, mm-hmm. like, people were kind of trying to decide, trying to figure out who it was. Yeah. Okay. 
and it's down to like four different people. Uh, Jackie Gata, Chrissy Hemi, I think Joy Giovanni was one, and uh, Jacqueline. That ain't Jacqueline. No, there's not a chance in hell it's Jacqueline. She's too tough. If Jacqueline wouldn't slob the knob, she'd rip it right the fuck off and shove it up your ass. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, she would beat you. (laughs) She's a tough chick. Yeah. Not that you can't be tough and not still get in those situations. This is a touchy subject, so we have to cover it with grace. You guys? Yeah. Got a hooker named Grace coming over? Uh, yeah. So this is, I mean, the way he treated women on screen for a very long time, it's not that surprising. No. But I mean, you never thought that all this would. I I mean, I never thought Vince was a sexual predator. Well, you never thought that at 52 years old, Vince, or Ric Flair was going to swing his uh, pecker around like a helicopter. I think he did think that. At 52? Yeah. No, 90? Yeah, well, he's not swinging it around now. He can't eat well. Yeah. You know if he can get it up or not. I wouldn't finish it. But... Yeah, I, I actually stopped. So, uh... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, I mean, it, Clemens, what are your thoughts? Well, it makes me wonder when you go back and watch his attitude there stuff and the whole thing of how when we were wrestling and the matches came out, you saw any match. What was the point of it? You know, just for, as I would say, for his entertainment, his entertainment only. It wasn't for the fans. It was for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure... The fans did get some enjoyment out of it, the broad panties matches and stuff. But he, yeah, it, it's dirty. And this shit like this is dirty. And unfortunately, this is how a lot of corporate, you know, people are. And unfortunately, he has been corporate for a very long time. I Maybe they're just allegations, you know. But usually when you get four or five. And you're paying the hush money, usually. Yeah. It means something that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Nope. I mean, one of them was sexual misconduct, though, I think. So, I think he was trying to impose himself on someone that didn't want to be imposed, and that's one of the worst things you can do as a man. Uh, Kenny Lehman, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, trying to find the number. Oh, no, don't apologize. It's all good. Uh, we're we're doing some current news right now. We're talking about the whole Vince situation. Did you read about this yet? About what? Uh, everything going on with Vince McMahon right now. Uh, you know, it's chicken coming coming home to roost. I mean, this this was a story from way back, and it's always been, you know, this story was it's just time to come home to face with the music, I guess, man. It's all those cliches you want to call it, and uh, it's kind of it sucks on a number of levels. Um. But you know what? It's it's more important that the truth is out there than you know pro wrestling. There's bigger there's bigger problem in the world. Yeah, you got a point there. The, the thing that bothers me is that Vince has never really faced come up. 
Okay, every because he's done a lot, or he's been accused of a lot of horrible things. Yeah. But he's never paid the consequences for any of it. Okay, so uh, I mean, even though like he's being accused of all this stuff now, how do we know that the old son of a bitch isn't somehow going to find his way out of it? It doesn't look like he's finding his way out of this one. But you never know. And with the culture's a lot different now than it was back then. You know, stuff's not really getting swept under the rug like it used to. I, it was, and the stuff that's under the rug is kind of getting pulled out. Yeah. I mean, like this that. is a guy, though, that was asked, that was basically told during the pandemic, shut down. And he had his buddy, who happened to be in the White House at the time, give money to the Florida governor saying, no, we're not shutting down. Here's a check. Yeah. That's unrelated to this, but I get what you're getting at. Uh, what I'm trying to get is Vince McMahon is stunned. Shows that if he can't believe, he can get away with anything. Yeah. And, and that, that's what worries me about this, the fact that he... I mean, him doing that hush money is what got him into this in the first place. I don't think he's going to be running WWE for that. I mean, he's already stepped down, but even, like, the creative role, I think he's going to be out soon. Like, out, out. Yeah. I mean, well, you, oh, know, you, you know he's not going to go out voluntarily. Who dropped? Kenny, I don't think he's – I don't know what happened. He'll be back. Keep your point. Okay. Uh he just, like, I, I don't know if he can, I mean, I don't know if he can recover from, I mean, if anybody can, he can. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he unfortunately, like, even though bad things seem to happen, he, like I said, he always finds his way out of it, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I want him gone. He should have left 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, again, again, you know, bigger issues than wrestling, I guess. Here, and you know, the truth of the matter is, it's just, it's just the whole thing is just crap. Let's be honest, but it, 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 it makes us look bad. It makes him look bad. It makes wrestling look bad, and which is a shame, you know, because. It, On the one hand, because he wants to look bad, but also that's the consequences of when you rule something, you know, whatever else you want to say about other promotions or whatever, when you're basically the de facto ruler of the thing, yeah. you are the representative. Like, you know, the Pope might not actually, doesn't actually represent Christianity, he represents Catholicism, but you ask the per- who, person who's the most famous Christian in the world is, they say the Pope. Now, in this case, that's a positive thing. We have a—he's a very good guy. But the the same rule applies, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks, and uh, who knows if more allegations will come out. Or, you never know. You know what's one that really interests me is the whole thing with Laurinaitis because. You know, yeah. there's always been those rumors that, uh, you know, Mrs. Baba was uh, very fond of him. Whether that's, you know, whether those are true or not, are, are colored his understanding of how 
one is supposed to do business, and not that it excuses him, but in that context, it makes it seem, makes it understand his actions a little bit more. Well, Laurinaitis actually surprises me because, to be honest with you, for the longest time, I actually thought, as far as Laurinaitis' type goes, I actually thought that Laurinaitis' type was Pat Patterson. No. He's got a wife, don't he? And a family? Yeah, but, I mean, she basically married him so her daughters could be famous. Uh, but the right. point being is you can, you know, if if you're brought up with the, you know, if if that is a normalized thing where the boss and his, you know, the boss is his making advances to you or his wife is anyways, that can really color how you act in the future. Yeah. No, I feel you. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, like Kenny, Kenny kind of knocked it on the head. There's things that are bigger than wrestling. You can't really look at it as like, oh, he's got to leave the company for like creative. Like, fuck all that. If, if he did like, if he did do the allegations, get him the fuck out of here, and he doesn't need to be doing anything anymore uh, because it's serious stuff. It's real life, and any man that that does shit like that should be condemned. So. I mean, let's let's move on from that. Uh, the other big piece of news, uh, I kind of want Kenny's thoughts on this too. I, I don't know uh, if you're watching much current lately because I haven't been. But Logan Paul has signed with the WWE, the social media megastar. Oh, you know, big surprise. I mean, that's what they, you know, again, not someone in the company has got their finger on the pulse all the time. Because that's what they're trying to do with these guys. Like, you know, it's taking everybody. Now everybody's just got one name, you know, and all this ridiculousness. And it's all just in service of making social media stars and stuff like that. It's like, and it's just the continuing trend of, you know, the same attitude. Even though Vince was the guy who was the head of the snake, it's more like a hydra than a snake. It's... This this obsession with being something other than you know the rules of professional wrestling. They want to be I don't know they they want to they rather they rather be lost in the in the flood of just mediocre everything else than be the kings of professional wrestling. And I don't understand why anybody would do that. Yeah, no, I can see. I do think that this isn't a bad move though. Especially after seeing Logan's match at WrestleMania. I think him and his brother, uh, for someone that's followed them a little bit throughout the years, they're very good at, at getting heat, which is people not liking it. They're very good. I mean, and they've turned, both of them have turned that into a business. You know, I don't know if anyone's a Logan Paul fan, but he's a, a rich guy. He's a millionaire. His podcast gets millions of listeners. People. Tune in to see what he's going to say, or because you know they love to hate him. Same thing with his brother Jake and the boxing deal. They kind of, they've already kind of cashed in on the oh, if people hate me, they're going to pay to see me, which is a wrestling thing. Right. Twenty five years ago, going to be twenty five years ago next week. Yeah. It, it, that, it, obviously, 25th anniversary of WWE's Bash at the Beach '97. Right. The main attraction was Dennis Rodman and Hollywood Hogan versus Lex Luger and the Giants. Yeah. Okay. Think of all the publicity about that. Okay. 
and think of how good Dennis Rodman was at, the, at that time in that match, which we'll actually be covering that uh, next week. Right. Okay. Now, uh, I'm not saying I'm not trying to compare Logan Paul and Dennis Rodman, but Lo- but I mean, well, I kind of am because Logan Paul right now can gain the heat that Dennis Rodman gained back then. And you have to strike while the iron's hot because Rodman made three wrestling appearances in WCW. Yeah. Okay. 97, the 98 Bash at the Beach, and the 99 Road Wild. Because he did Leno and uh, Malone, right? Well, he did uh, against DDP and Malone. And now, when I say strike while the iron's hot, at the 99 Road Wild, when he wrestled Savage, that match was dog shit. Like, it's tough. Now, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Michael Man was, like, way past his prime, too. Yeah. But also, too, because Dennis was wrestling a single. All right. And he had no other guys to help carry him. I think Logan can do a single, though. I think Logan can do a single now. Uh, I mean, he's 28 years old. He's a young kid. He's athletic. He boxes Floyd Mayweather. Yes. So, but again, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like, if you want to do him versus the Miz right now, I wouldn't do that. I think that's like the whole Miz, like bringing Logan in to make him a baby face against the Miz, probably the, like that's fumbling and not having the finger on the ball. No, that truly says to be honest. Go ahead. You know, I I I completely actually disagree with you, Dan. They right. th- th- there's th- there's two things I suspect are going on here. Yeah. One is either no one wants no one will work with him but the Miz because basically the Miz is hello, Kennedy. Hello. Hello. That was like you lost. We lost him. I think he broke up. <laughs> Damn, I was really interested in hearing that, though. Uh, uh, he'll be back. Yeah. But, no, for sure. We're going to have to we'll edit it out. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but to kind of go on his point, uh, Kenny, if you can hear us at all, we lost you. So, you might want to try to call back in. Uh, but, no, I... I uh, I think he, what he was, well, I don't know what he was, but I, I, I was with him. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, him and Miz could do something. You know, it, it, it could do something. Well, I, when, he, when he said that nobody else will work with him besides the Miz, it also could be, you know, Miz doesn't like being a baby face either. Okay, this is weird. Now I'm getting two calls from this. Danny. Let me did you hear see what he wrote? There we go. Hello. Hello. Yeah, Kenny, you here? Okay, yeah, so we're still on Miz and Logan Paul? Yes, sir. Yep. My two cents on this. Now did I get to say anything about this yet? Uh just you disagree with me and then it could work because Miz is something and then we lost you after that. Okay, so it, okay. I think the Miz is agreeing to work with him because in some ways 
So the Miz is like him, the first version of Logan Paul, right? He was not. Yes, the Miz was a wrestling fan, but he he made his name as on that stupid show on MTV. However, I also think it could be a case of uh, the Miz is also uh, of all the good and bad you can say about him. He's extremely, extremely safe worker. Yeah, which often results in really shitty matches. But nonetheless, he's safe. Now, there also could be a lot of guys who resent Logan Paul, rightfully so. I would, I would resent him if I was in the locker room. Uh, and given the chance, I would. If this was now granted, this is a different time. But imagine if you were in the position to just beat the living fuck out of him. Yeah. No, I, I I get what you're saying. I just think bringing him as a baby is a bad move because he the guy gets nuclear heat on his own, and, and they need a, another top heel. So bringing him in to work against the Miz, they got a lot of heels. They don't have enough baby faces. Yeah, but Logan's not. I don't think Logan's going to be the baby face. He's, that's not, a gonna, baby. he's not a baby face person. He hears the name Paul, and you just want to fucking slap yeah, his ass. Yeah, they're, they're, they, he could be the cocky. Like, I think he could be, like, a main event heel. Like, I think he could be that. Like, he could, like, just seeing his, like, smirk on his face when he was beating up the Mysterios at WrestleMania. Just I was like, slap yeah, and, like, this dude's money at being a bad guy. I, and also, too, I think he got a lot of heat for carrying that uh, half a million dollar Pokemon card with him. And that's real. He bought that. But... He's just like he's a heel person, so bring him in and have him be a heel. Yeah. That to me, that's what he can do. I mean, him and Miz could do some stuff together, and you know, making Miz the babyface wouldn't isn't great either because Miz is a career heel. But Miz doesn't like being baby. Like I could see Logan going with Ray a, a, a couple more times, yeah. or even Dominic, you know, and making and maybe him and Dominic learn off each other. It'd probably be a dog shit match, but. Him and Ray could do something. They could him make and Ray him could good. do something. I could actually see Logan working with. Uh, I could see Logan working with AJ. Yeah, for sure. I mean, oh yeah. No, AJ. No, no, no. AJ would have to just get in there and beat his ass for five, ten minutes straight. There's no way. I'm sorry. There's no way. He sold for James Ellsworth. I think he can sell a couple yeah, moves for Logan. But guess what? I'd rather have James Elroy than a fight next to me than I'd have a Paul brother. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm i not, like, huge fans of them. I just see what they can do, and I see, like, people pay money to – like, he drew, like, 1. million pay-per-view buys with, with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Maybe that's Floyd, but maybe it's people wanting to see Floyd beat the shit out of this young douchebag, you know? So well, it is exactly, but that's my point. Is like he doesn't have to wrestle a good match. No one wants no. to see him wrestle a good match. They want to no, see him get his ass right. handed to him. Yes, and that's what people are going to pay. It's to all see. about entertainment. But I think it, it's a mistake, and they're doing him a disservice if they bring him in at the past storyline and say, okay, he's a good guy now. you got to cheer for him, and he's going against the Miz. I think that's doing him a, a disservice. But I agree just, with Daniel. Yeah. No, he shouldn't be a fake. Uh, 
I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure he's not going to be there every week. He does a lot of stuff. It's so. a multi-event deal. So that pretty much means uh, premium live events and maybe like the, a Raw or two before the premium live event to hype up the show. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the meat and potatoes. That's not going to be too much of that. Yeah. Uh, is there any more big pieces of news? I think we're good. I, not really big pieces of news. There were people that were making asses out of themselves this week. Uh, but I really don't think we should bring it up. I mean, if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, just look up Jordan Grace's Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, we got some hey, worker of the week. Oh, worker of the week. Yes. Uh, who's yours? Okay, Eric? yeah, we'll do Yeah, I got it. I got it. Worker of the week. I don't further notice. FTR, have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, yeah, they can be the worker for every week. But yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Liv Morgan. Yes, that's a choice. Cash it in on Ronda. Liv Morgan looks really good right yeah. now. I, I do. I think she has a lot of potential. All right, here's here's the thing about Liv Morgan. Don't expect her to keep the title for very long. No, because you have, uh, um, I mean, I, I don't see really Ronda wanting to get the thing back, but I do know of a certain big nosed bitch who, uh, Charlotte? yes, uh, who is going to be returning from her honeymoon soon and thinks that thinks that that championship should be okay. tattooed on her. Yeah, uh, Bailey coming back too. So, I mean, can't I don't really argue that it shouldn't be. I mean, honestly, I mean, she is really good. She she is really good, but to be honest with you, uh, I'm not I'm not uh, a fan of the Flair family. Uh, we really don't do? need to get into it because we got a lot to get into. Oh yes, we do, but we'll do that another time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, me and Doug agree on this. That's crazy. Agree on no, what? Liv agree Morgan on is a good, Liv Morgan is on a good the choice. Fair family. She, she is a really good choice. Yeah. She, she had a, she's had a really good past couple of weeks. Uh, Dougie. All right. I'm going to say this, and Eric, it's going to piss off a very good friend of yours, uh, which I'm sure you're going to be okay with. I'm going to go with Wardlow. Yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely hot right now. I think he's good. Like I think they're gonna fuck him up very soon. But. Okay. And I, I'm just gonna say this. Well, I'm gonna say this real quickly about that. Uh, about something that was said. You know, Warlord's Warlord Warlord Warlord's push and Theory's push. Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna say this real quick. Warlord's push is organic. All right, because he had to, you know, he created this whole power bomb sympathy thing. It's getting over. He did the thing with MJF. Now he's got a championship. He's going to keep getting himself over. It's organic. Uh, and people are okay with that because it's organic. Yeah. People have a problem with Siri because he's a Vince McMahon endorsed character. What if they pull a storyline now where he's trying to, like, escape from that, and he's like, no, don't put me with him. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, we're going to have to, probably. 
Yeah, he can. The allegations turn out to be true. So, like, but because he's a Mr. Man endorsed character, I think that's why. I mean, that's why I don't like him. I mean, I can't speak for Eric, uh, but like, because you know, Eric was in the center of all this yesterday. But I mean, I, I can say that that's why I don't like him because I'm under the impression now, mainly because I've been watching wrestling for the, uh, you know. I mean, I've been watching wrestling longer, but especially over the last 15 years, I've seen how shitty the WWE product has been. Yeah. All right. And so uh, that's why, like, I can't get behind anything that Vince McMahon thinks is good because it's more than likely not. Well, uh, Austin Theory is is good in my opinion. I've seen him work, and I enjoy his work. Uh, And I think he's been Go ahead, Kenny. Vince can still pick out talent. He can't write storyline anymore. That's sure. He can yeah. still pick out talent, though. All right. I, I got two words to discredit, uh, you know, what Kenny just said. Happy Corbin. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You know what, though? For To his credit, they gave him, they took him, he was doing the brand Corbin thing, and he embraced the happy Corbin thing, too. So I mean, you can't say he's not—he's uh, not a co- company man. I mean, in their eyes, that's what they want. Is a guy who's going like to do whatever they tell him. He with a mustache. Yeah, but that sounds more like creative, not wrestling-wise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, there's it, nothing. It again, it's, some of it is yes. Baron Corbin is not being serviced well by creative, but like. Again, he's he's not entirely he's not without ability. The Lone Wolf stuff was pretty good when he was uh, kind of green. I mean, I, I liked his early stuff. He, he's not the greatest worker of all time. But, but you gotta realize, Lone Wolf that was more like a Triple H type of thing, though. That was yeah. NXT. <laughs> yeah, Triple H. No, you're right. Oh, well, I got it. Okay, before we transition, I got to give my, my – I don't know what happened this week because I don't pay that close and much of attention, but I got to go with Christian with this Christian and Matt Hardy thing going on. I think that is like – that could be money because now you're getting – you're kind of blurring the lines again. You're blurring the lines, you know, to how, how you know, maybe – how how yeah. legitimate, you know, are oh, those feelings? Yeah. Maybe – Hell of a promo, and I think the fact that they turned uh, Luchasaurus heel. I mean, I'm not, I don't really like that part, but hell, hell of a promo. Yeah. But, yeah, but think, I mean, like, because some of that, you know, could be legit feelings. Like, you know, that he felt like, you know, here's Jeff, is, this guy's all fucked up, and he's supposed to be his brother, and you're just pushing him to get out there because it's making you a ton of money. You know? So who I mean, knows? I, I mean, to be honest with you, I said the same thing a few weeks ago. So I just I had to bring that up. You know, is that there's there's the, we're back to you know tell of the fans what they know to be the truth, and then then you go on from there. Yeah, Christian, I, I like. I'm just glad they're finally doing something with Christian. Because he's way too talented to just be in these fucking, like, multi-man matches, like, lost in the shuffle. Especially in his later career. Like, Edge is getting all this cool shit from WWE. Well, maybe not anymore, but... And AEW is kind of just fucking, oh, we got Christian. Yeah. 
right, should we get Quintus yeah. Worker and then Quintus? Who's your Worker of the Week? Well, I I'm torn, but I'm, I'm going to say between the Usos and the Street Profits, that was one hell of a tag team match. Oh event. yeah, the rematch <laughs> has been signed, by the way. Yeah, I know. Well, you might know, those but not two. Actually, else might know. Well, but, yeah, they're two great teams, and that was a hell of a match. Yeah. No, Excellent choice. The fact that they left it open to get another match out of it. Yeah. Uh, by having uh, whatever Uso it was that pinned him kind of lift uh, Ford's sho- uh, shoulder up off the canvas. So now we get it again. Brilliant. 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 Uh, So, to transition, Doug, would you say that that move, them doing that, was good booking? It was good booking because of how good the match was. All right. Well, that brings us to our uh, topic for today, the meat and potatoes. Uh, We have our Booker tier list. Now, it's also because we we were pretty uh, liberal on the term Booker. It's also... Promoters and creative team members. So it's not just all old territory bookers. We got some like 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 your Russos and stuff too. We got people that are on a creative team, just promoters, because we got to talk about the big man. Uh, so yeah, that that's the list we're doing. If you put together a wrestling match, you're going on this list. Right. Can I kind of pick who I think we should start with? Yeah, uh, just you want to list the categories? Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. So the uh, the tiers are elite, which is top tier. Yeah. Then you have very good, mediocre, meh, and garbage. Yes. Or trash or okay. whatever. Okay. Uh, and who I think we should start with, only because he's here, <laughs> Professor Ken Pernicus. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. You are a booker. <laughs> no. You were a booker. Yeah, I was, but I, I you know, I can't. I didn't do that much, guys. Come on. <laughs> no, that's, that's but thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate it, though. I appreciate the guest. <laughs> but uh, but I don't want to take away from real people who've done this, though. Yeah, I understand. Well, yeah, at least we got a Booker's input here, though. Though, so we're looking good. Uh, let Let's and for all the like old heads that are probably going to get. Uh, older people that are probably going to get mad. You know, this is an armchair thing. We're, we're, we're fans. I mean, Kenny's done some booking, but we're fans, and I, I'm not saying I would do any of this We've any done better. a lot of fantasy booking on this show. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you guys you guys have enough knowledge that, you know, you know what you're talking about for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Not trying to fully insult anybody or saying we can do it better, but this is just what we think. So let's get into the first name. Although uh, my knowledge uh, or my opinions have gotten me have gotten Scott Casey pissed off at me. Yeah, and then he thought I was Ooh, Scott young. Casey was mad. Ooh, Scott Casey was mad at you. Yeah, we oh, pissed Scott terrified. Casey off. The yeah. famous and that's tough guy. Scott for his book. <laughs> uh, let's let's put somebody that was actually on the show. Uh, a friend of the okay. show and someone that I enjoy and I enjoyed him as a performer, but now kind of growing up and realizing he was a, a booker and put together a lot of like great matches in the territories, especially in Memphis. Uh, let's talk about Bill Dundee. Okay. 
uh, I'll start with that. I think it's an interesting choice because basically it was, you know, it was six months a year was Lawler booking and six months a year was Bill Dundee doing the booking for the most part. Right. From Memphis. And I think, you know, um, to show you his strength, I mean, uh, you know, Bill Watts brought him in solely to be a booker, not a performer, you know. Yeah, there was the the talent trade uh, between Memphis and Mid-South, by the way. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think so. All that stuff, all the different things that Memphis did, it just, Jerry Lawler or Jerry Jarrett's ideas, Bill Dundee had a lot of input into that. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't specifically know. Maybe Dougie can help with the specific things he came up with, or ideas he had. Uh, I do know that, like, in Mid-South, he's the one that uh, that booked or that basically gave the idea to book uh, the rock and rolls against the Midnights. That's crazy. Well, there you go. Perfect. Especially, Perfect. especially up in the scaffold matches that they did. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Probably the most money thing. Well, and, and here's the thing. When he went over, by the way, he went over in 84. And the talent trade I was just talking about, mm-hmm. it was uh, Memphis got Rick Rude, Jim Neidhart, and I think maybe a couple other people that I can't remember off the top of my head who they are. But I know they got those two. And uh, Mid-South got Cornette in the Midnight, the Rock and Rolls, and Dundee went over with the book. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to point out, though, even though Rick Rude and Jim Neidhart are in there, Rick Rude was nowhere near where he'd be, and Jim Neidhart wasn't that close either. So, like, in terms of who got the better of that deal, definitely Mid-South. Yeah. Well, Neidhart, Neidhart had, was coming off a run with the tag titles with Butch Reed. <clears throat> and... Rick Rude was just doing solely jobs. So, yes, and, you know, Mid-South got the better end of the deal. And then, you know, he went there, and he even told us when he was on the show, by the way, the episode he was on, if you want to look it up in the archives, was the episode where we talked about Southern Territories. Right. Okay. Just figured I'd get that out there. Uh, and um, he, he helped that, that – because 1984 – was probably one of their biggest money-making years. Even though that year, they lost JYD in the summer. Yeah. Okay? But Dundee had all this other talent to work with. He had Butch Reed. He had the Rock and Rolls. He had the Midnight. He had uh, DiBiase, Duggan. uh, Was Matt Warren still kicking around? I don't know if Bourne was still there or not. Bourne may I think he may have still been there. Uh, I mean, there's a poster child for guy, incredible talent, but what the fucking scumbag. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Bourne actually may have already been in, uh, uh, may have gone to Portland by that time. But Kamala, uh, Hercules Hernandez, Iceman Parsons. Right. Um, among several others, but Dundee had the talent there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Dundee also, I can't really forget, obviously, you know, we mentioned Memphis, but also he was part of WCW's booking committee for a while. Right. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot. 
Was that when he was doing uh, the Sir William gimmick too? Yeah. But uh, okay. um, when Dundee got brought in, the only issue with him being on the committee is because that was around the time where everybody was getting a <clears throat> everybody was getting a spot on the committee. Right. But as far as Dundee is is a booker, I mean. Personally, in my in my opinion, because I, I love Mid South, yeah, I and because he was there when that territory was on fire like it was. And Memphis was so hot when he was around too. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, Memphis was so hot too. And then you know he was also booking uh, Continental, which technically was Memphis. Uh, he was just. He was so good with those two territories because he was responsible for a lot of stuff uh, that I would say as a booker, I, I wouldn't say elite, but I would say very good. I'd probably agree. Yeah, me, I agree. I agree. All right. Yeah, let's go very good. I was just going to say... Yeah, I was going to say, are we going to have Clint get an opinion or just Clint? Clint, do you even know who Bill Dundee is? No, I'm just listening on Larry a lot right about now, to tell you the truth. We'll bring up someone next that we all know, because there's no way that none of us, that not all of us know this man. More a creative team guy, not just a sole booker, creative team guy, but someone who you might say revolutionized the business and also helped ruin another business, uh, if you're a WCW fan. Uh, let's go to Vince Russo. Oi. And uh, whoever wants to start. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, since he just said that, I'll start. All right. Vince Russo. Okay, bro. Now, you got to remember how he started. He started as a magazine writer. Yeah. And actually, and I might even have a few issues in the magazine upstairs. Actually. Because I'm a huge WWF magazine collector, right? Yeah. From like 87 to 95, I have a lot of those issues. In the magazine, he's coming up with... What? Wasn't he actually a radio show host first? Yeah, that's actually a genre... uh, John Arezzi actually gave Vince Russo his first radio job. Didn't he own like a Blockbuster too or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, he owned a video store. Arezzi found him because he was kind of a wrestling fan. Yeah. So him and Arezzi actually put out like a couple of uh, best of compilation tapes together of different wrestlers. That's sweet. Uh, by the way, John Arezzi, uh, uh, a few people have said this, including uh, Sharon. John Arezzi actually uh, looks like Kenny. Really? Yeah. Oh, is he the one? Yeah. Okay. He must be a handsome guy. Yeah, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen John Arezzi. Never? Maybe once or twice. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, um, all right, so anyway, but no, he started out, he was a video store, radio show host. He got hired by Bill Watts in the WWF because Watts was there and he was going to work directly under Watts. 
Watch didn't work out in the WWF. No. So Linda actually put him at the magazine. Yes. And he started writing storylines <laughs> for the magazine. Like late 94-ish, you know, early 95-ish. And I remember one storyline he wrote for the magazine was how King Kong Bundy got pissed off during a live event or something, ripped the sink right out of the bathroom and threw it and threw it and it hit Diesel in the elbow. Uh, well, he got pissed off. Or apparently, he got pissed off because Shawn Michaels was agging him on. And Sean happened to be standing near Diesel. So when Sean saw the stink coming at him, Sean ducked. Diesel got hit. Right. None of this is true, by the way. No. N- not a lick. This is explain. This is explain fucking Diesel botching an elbow drop and why his elbow was hurt. Yeah. No. <laughs> this was basically just Vince Russo coming up with his own storyline in in the magazine. And then, you know, around early 97-ish, late 96-ish, business was so bad that Vince McMahon had a copy of the magazine, threw it down on the table during the, during the meeting, and said, we need to start doing this. And then Vince Russo got on the team and started coming up with all this stuff. Okay, and so take the floor, Ken. Before we go on to the rest of his, his life, I just got one weird observation. Something about this man is very appealing to, must appeal to some basic instinct in people who understand, so Southern people who understand pro wrestling. Because if he was going to work into Watts, Watts must have saw something in him. And and Cornette had said in the beginning he wanted to work with the guy. In the very beginning. And so something about this guy, at least initially, must be he must come off as a guy less of a douchebag than everybody makes him. Like he must ramp up his douchery quite hard. <laughs> By the way, as far as Cornette goes, oh, John Arezzi was on Jim Cornette's uh, podcast about three years, two three years ago maybe. Uh, Sounds about right. And because uh, then. Uh, Jim's co-host started doing a show with with a resident. They did it for like a year, right. but yeah, uh, they were. But a resident actually uh, confessed that Russo and him actually worked on a best of Midnight Express compilation tape, <laughs> and Cornette just about lost his damn mind. What do you mean Russo worked on a tape of the Midnight Express? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he, still when he refers to himself taking a, a shit, he, he calls it a Russo. Yeah. He doesn't like Vince Russo. But uh, that's like polar opposite. But as far as Russo's booking, and, and I think that's where you were sort of getting to. Okay. Really good in the Attitude Era, but that's also because he had other people there that kind of, like, could also make sense of what he was trying to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's one caveat with a lot of these bookers in the WWE, with the exception of Pat Patterson, pretty much it was always, I'm booking, but only with Vince's final approval. 
Right. I don't think, well, other than Pat, I don't think anybody, maybe the brief time Jerry Jarrett was there or J.J. Uh, Dillon, he was there, maybe had that kind of autonomy. But other than that, everybody, you know, even Paul Heyman was, even hell, even Stephanie had, it was booked at the approval of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Everything's got to get okayed. Right. And when he got, to, when Russo went to WCW, he really didn't have that buffer. No. All right, because Kevin Sullivan, J.J. Dillon, Jimmy Hart did not give a fuck <laughs> about anything that was going on. All right, because they knew well, the why, company. Why was, would they? Yeah, because they knew the company was about ready to shut down anyway. Yeah. Now I will say that when Russo was part of the booking committee in TNA, you know he was in charge of it or whatever. I do like a lot of the stuff that TNA did from, like, 2003 till about, you know, till when Hogan went there and killed the company. So so that's yeah. the second time around for Vince Russo, not the first time. Yeah. Because he was there in the very beginning. Yes. He introduced the fly, uh What was the, the Johnsons, the dick gimmick? Do you ever see that? Yes, time? another stupid thing. Yeah. Yes, other Russo. I mean, I think the – and. When he came back, I think he was also he had everything that had to get okayed by uh, Jeff and maybe Dixie at that time. Yeah. I don't know when Dixie. Well, Dixie well, okay. We'll get we'll get to that woman, but uh, yeah, Vince Russo, you got to give it to him, especially for the Attitude Era. His his core idea of let's put Jerry Springer in professional wrestling did work, and he well yeah. Go ahead. That's the thing, okay, like, for that time, for that, and, it, and it's much briefer than we remember it, um, before that time, what he did work, and he did, with, you know, obviously with the wrestlers' participation create, Ken, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold, and, you know, I perhaps, perhaps his greatest creation, because it actually... Was it actually is a good idea? Turned out to be a really good idea, almost purely from what he came up with was gold dust. Yes. Well, did he even? He wasn't even on the team though at the time of uh, gold dust. Uh, of gold dust coming in. Yeah, not coming in, but what he became, what he they did with him in terms of moving away from the, you know, so heavy on the movie shit and. But, you know, the weird, like, the weird early stuff where you're like, what, what is he doing? Is he supposed to be a living Oscar statue? What is going on here? Are you like, talking about pulled, the S&M pulled. shit? What? Are you talking about when he was doing the S&M shit? No, 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 no. The, the whole um, the whole thing with him and Marlena when it got interesting, you know, when it got serious. Oh, when yeah. When he got to be Dustin when he got, you know, when they got him from, you know, be doing the, stop doing the gay stick so much, that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that was and, good. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I, again, again, as you can see, uh, he proved his, what he could do with someone saying, okay, good idea. Here's, here, here's the 40 ideas he gave me, five... Five of them might work. Two of them will definitely work. The rest are shit, kid. Try again. 
he he was a great booker and that's a great at the time he was a booker at the time that they kind of needed yeah he came up with Kane that's a pretty big mm-hmm. creation came up with I, mean, I I think well Bruce Pritchard tries to take credit for that he too. takes credit for everything I don't know if Bruce Pritchard has had an original idea ever in his head we'll get to him too uh well, okay. So, in terms of what's 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 middle of the road? What's our middle of the road? Is it middle of the road? Yeah, we call it middle of the road. Well, I give Russo middle of the road because yeah, he did some. He was a booker in the era of great things, and but at the same time, he did so much negative shit that it it, it pretty much evens out. Like he was. Neither bad nor good, neither great nor abhorrent. I guess is how I put it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm compelled to agree with Kenny because I think if he never went to WCW and we didn't see what he looked like unfiltered, then he would maybe even be elite, if not very good. But I think because we saw his vision by itself without anyone saying no, this is stupid, and we saw that for like a good couple years and watch WCW just get worse and worse and worse and worse and pinata on the pole matches and making fun of JR's uh, condition and just all this on a fucking yeah just all this bullshit once you saw when he was like on giving yourself the world title that might be the biggest yeah. and worst thing he ever did yeah that was a bad one so I, I would say uh, average, mediocre, middle of the road as well. The thing about him yeah. is, I mean, he wanted to push a lot of the younger talent. That's commendable. All right. And that is commendable. Like, you know, the whole thing with, with Hogan at that bash at the beach and him wanting to put the title on Booker. Yeah. You know, fast forward 2004. He was really trying to get Chris Harris over yeah. of America's Most Wanted. The problem is, is that Jeff Jarrett, you know, vetoed it. Jeff Jarrett's like, he's not ready. Like, he can... It, like, he was, Jeff was right. As exactly. we saw what happened when Chris... He was bored in Walker. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, Chris Harris had a lot of potential, but the problem is, is that uh, he was just, you know, he was a really good tag team wrestler, but there was nobody to help him when he was a singles wrestler. Yeah. So I'm going to say, like, I'm going to agree with you guys and say middle of the road. Yeah. Linus, what do you say? I want to say middle of the road. And I'll say, and I want to agree with everybody saying. I think the stuff he did in WWE, he's great. But once you get to WCW and how you all, and how you saw that company go from a good book or booker just go downhill, like that, nearly destroy a company. I'm sorry, you can't be. <laughs> it would be top tier in my eyes. You nearly destroy a company, but yet you were so great in another. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Eric? Eric. Sleep. I'm here. All right, Eric, where are you putting him? I said he would get um, 
and a right booker. So I put him in the middle of the road. Okay. All right. Let's put him in the middle of the road then. And let's go on to one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know how I, I think he's elite, but the fact that uh, a fucky finish is basically named after him nowadays. Let's talk about Dusty Rhodes. All right, I think we should go to the guy who, uh, you know, wanted to pattern his booking style after Dusty. <laughs> Eric? No, not Eric. <laughs> Me? No, no, not Eric. If anything, Eric, when we do the Fantasy Warfare shows, Eric looks like Terry Taylor. No, hey. Jesus. Oh, that is so insulting. Like, I wouldn't be so offended if you said that to me. Well, I just called you Dusty Rhodes. That's not bad. Well, I wouldn't say I would. Well, it depends which Dusty Rhodes you want to talk about. That's the thing. There's, there's there, only one Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I, I mean there, there, that's not the worst thing I've called you. I've also referred to well, not to your face, but I've also referred to you as the love child of Captain Lou and Ray Stevens. Well, that's not a bad thing either, in some sense. <laughs> yeah, there's two legends. Uh, but let's talk about well, Dusty he's, because he's a, he's a legend. Yeah. As a booker, though, there's just different Dusties. There's different Dusties. Because Ooh. there's Dusty when he's booking but isn't booking himself. There's Dusty yeah. when he is booking himself. <laughs> so it's it's really got to break it down. Yeah. Uh, well, he was the he, a lot of the Crockett stuff was him, right? Yeah, and JJ uh, Dillon was his booking assistant. All right, so back in the back in the eighties in the Crockett days, you had your booker and your booking assistant, and that was actually the way it was in a lot of the territories. Yeah, uh, like mid south, you know, we could say uh, that it was Bill Dundee. When he was a booker, Grizzly Smith was his booking assistant. Yeah. If not Grizzly yeah. Smith, then Ernie Lack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, uh, world class. The booker was, uh, let's say, Gary Hart, and David Manning was his booking assistant. But that's how that was back in those territories. Good. Now, in the 90s, everything was done by a fucking committee. Okay, you had like, well, especially in WCW, you had a booking committee. Yeah. All right. And Dusty, from 91 to 94, I think, was technically the leader of that committee. Maybe yeah, three pretty much. in 93. Yeah. But he was the leader of that committee. But- and th- the thing is, is that. When your committee consists of, uh, just, you know, real quick, like your committee is Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, uh, Barry Windham, Magnum TA, Jim Hurd himself, and, uh, J- and Jim Barnett, right, who not really any of them really belong on a committee, except for like, well, Barnett to a point, except all for Barnett them, except to like really, way past All of them except fucking Jim Hurd's the only guy that sticks out like a sore thumb. 
So like, but when you're when that's your committee, and then you know, like years later, when he or, you know, a couple of years later, when he's on the committee, but and but this time you have like Mike Graham, Greg Gagne, yeah. Bill Dundee, and you know Mike Graham and Greg Gagne who were who have been around the business their entire fucking lives. Yeah. Uh, like it, it just depends on who's on the committee with you. But when, if you're running it yourself and you just have a booking assistant, like you're fine. But when you're pretty much, uh, you know, running a three-ring circus and you're the clown in the middle ring, yeah. sometimes it's not going to go well because you have too many egos on there and you try to please everybody. Instead of just saying, yes, it's- shut the fuck up, I'm going to run this, and we're going to do it this way. Well, that's the Vince procedure. Yeah. Um, does coming out with Starcade not put him in elite? Again, again, it's... Well, why are you just stopping at Starcade? I mean, look, look at... Um, the Heat, the Vince have a whole match dedicated when he came out with War Games. So it's still a hit match. For the day. He came out with War Games. He came up with War Games. I mean, yes, there, there is some good. There, there's a lot of good, but yes, there is some bad. Well, yeah, you got the House of Terrors or whatever the fuck. The Chamber of Horrors, which, yeah. to be honest with you, and Kenny and I grew up in that, uh, you know, grew up kind of in that, you know, we were little. Uh, mm-hmm. Clint, you know, Clintus was little too, but Clintus, Clintus, you didn't start watching until the mid-90s, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't start watching until like uh, 97, basically. Okay. Like right after going in ground, I think going into ground zero. Right. But like, yeah, you had the Chamber of Horrors, which I actually enjoyed when I was little. Yeah. But then, you know, when my brain fully developed, for, for the most part, uh, you know, late, then I realized late, how shitty it was. But he had a lot of really good ideas in that early time period. Yeah. Think of the money he drew. Let me think of how over he got baby doll for Christ's sake. Yeah. I just think he did a lot of right. I mean, I love Dusty Rhodes anyway, but he yeah, did a lot of Again, right. well, uh, no again thing, the thing with Dusty. Well, what about the whole, yeah, I also think what he did with NST too before tri- tri- Triple H took over. I mean, NST that's a good point. A, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, I think there's, for all the bad that he may have come up with, I do think the good outweighs it. And because the good outweighs it, I I would say, I mean, personally, I would say elite. The only thing I never liked about Dusty Rhodes was his color commentary. I love that, too. But... We'll be bad yeah, now. that was gold. What are you talking about? That was That's gold. Funny. It was gold. I, I would say very good. good. Him and Drunken Bobby Heenan were hysterical. <laughs> he's right. But he's uh, talking, yeah. talking about getting the plunder or getting the car, you know, race cars, and Bobby, he's like, oh, what kind of horses do they race? And just, oh, classic. Just classic hysterical, like, stuff. And Dusty, the thing with Dusty, yeah, there's, okay, yes, we all know Dusty Finish is a terrible, well, she isn't even... The thing we end up calling the dusty finish really isn't even the dusty finish that was originally the dusty finish. So, uh, whatever. But yeah, that's not a great ending. Uh, 
He did so much good. You know, yeah, the 90s Dusty was a kind of hit and miss. But 80s Dusty booking was, was definitely on point. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't – anything, you know, the half of WCW – or NWA past 1990, it's nobody's fault. Uh, it, it's nobody's fault in the sense that it's the people who could have saved it weren't going to ever work in the corporate setting, and the people who they ended up working there couldn't save it. You know? Right. It, it, it's not it, even, even as bad as he made things. It wasn't even Caruso's fault that it failed. It's just that Ted Turner lost. Basically, what it comes down to is that Ted Turner lost control of his company. Well, yeah, because you had you had a boardroom full of people that thought wrestling sucked. And uh, I mean, it's pretty much yeah, didn't get it. Yeah, it's pretty much you had a, a whole room full of people besides Ted Turner that didn't want the company. He did. So, like, they basically, you know, they voted him out. Yeah. Pretty much. They voted him out so they can get rid of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, why nobody has taken that approach with Vince McMahon, I have no fucking clue. Because they hold the stock tighter. There's only, like, the McMahons cumulatively own, like, I think 64% of this total stock, so they can never, they've never been in a position where that could happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, no, make to vote sense. out the chairman, you have to have control, the majority control of the stock. That's how You're that right. happens. All right, so are we, I mean, you Yeah. Well, Eric said yeah. very good. Where does everybody else want to put uh, want to put Dusty? I'm a leak. Well, we know you're a leak. You didn't want us to rank you. No. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Uh, Quillis? I want to go elite. All right. Sorry, Eric. You haven't voted this time. Uh, it's fine. Let's talk about the guy that came out with the black scorpion, I believe. Oh, Lord. Only Anderson. Nick. Okay. I'm going to be real brief about this, mainly because we're over an hour in and we've only gotten three people. Uh, (laughs) He's one of those guys that it's his way or or go home. Yeah. Okay? He's a no-nonsense guy. If you say only, I don't think this is a good idea, well, go fuck yourself, pack your bag, and get the hell out of here. The problem is, when people started to do that, you know, or Jim Cornette did that, uh, that's when, you know, people started to realize, you know, maybe Ole's just like, maybe we don't need him. Yeah. And the Black Scorpion thing, by the way, got him fired. (laughs) As it should. Like, after Starcade 90, he was done. And I don't know if anybody knows this. Kenny, you might actually know this. But the guy that took over for Ole until they could get Dusty back, Barry Windham. Barry had the book. Barry had the book for about a month and a half. I did not know that. 
It's the black scorpion thing. I remember on my four on your four horsemen video you had. Yeah. I, I remember as a, a wee little uh kid just watching it. And I remember Ric Flair talking about it and he's like I remember in that moment thinking, Oh, he's doing dope <laughs> or something like that. He's like and, and he's like something like that. Had it gone anywhere, that would have been something. I mean, I think we could, that's the problem, right? It's not so much the idea, because let's face it, is it the stupidest thing ever done in wrestling history? No. But it didn't go anywhere. If you do something stupid and it goes to something, you can get away with it. Like, if it had been, you know, anybody, if it had been, they had used that to debut Rick Rude instead of the Phantom thing, that might have went somewhere. But what it, <laughs> if it doesn't go anywhere, you can't. It, it's not. You can't do it, no matter how good you think it is in your head. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, mean honestly, the, actual... the black script. Was, yeah. The idea isn't the dumbest thing, and it's actually kind of cool. Like they did, you know, just to get just to fuck with thing. You know, they've got in the magician to do shit, and they got the starship or whatever that was supposed to be. It was kind of neat, just to mess. Well, here's a guy just messing, spending money to mess with Sting like he's a super villain or something, right? Yeah. I don't know if it should have been Ric Flair. Though. No. Well, they had no. Money. No, it shouldn't because it went nowhere when it made him Flair. Why do that? If the point would be to bring someone in, not yeah. to just be Flair. That's why it was bad because it went nowhere. Oh, and the fact that they they said it was a ghost from Sting's past, right? Yes. Sting had only been in the business for four years. Well, the only person it could have realistically, quote unquote, been then in that case would have been fucking uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Either the Warrior or, I mean, it could have been maybe Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert, Phil Hickerson. Could you imagine trying to pass off all these guys as one guy, Phil Hickerson, a fat. Phil Hickerson coming out there in a tight bodysuit. Yeah, so, but as far as Oli's booking goes, Oli was a really good booker in Georgia. In yep. Georgia Championship Wrestling. And then all that went to hell. Because Kenny, he's the one that came up with the whole thing for the last battle of Atlanta, right? Yeah, he. the thing with Oli is Oli... Didn't come up with the last bad land. He came up with a good when he was a booker, and he was you know when he wasn't playing. The reason he his booking sucked, and was late the late the nineties was because basically he was trying to be a company man, and he was trying to please both Jim Barnett and uh, Jim Jim Hurd, and he was just going to be a company guy. And as we said, it's some um, you know. With the exception of Vince McMahon, that really isn't a great way to book, where you need someone's approval, or you're trying to get someone's approval. And well, so, yeah, he came up with plenty of good ideas. Well, the thing you, you say he's trying to, you say he's trying to, you know, please Jim Barnett. The, the same Jim Barnett who, by the way, fucked Ole over back in '84 by selling his stock of Georgia. To Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. right, and making sure Vince got that time slot. 
Yeah. So, in, in, in my opinion, like, uh, like, in my opinion, Ole should have, I mean, I can understand, like, trying to please Jim Hurd yeah. and all that, but fuck Barnett. I mean, but personally, I'm going to say that Ole's booking was mediocre. I go meh. Yeah, go mediocre. I go, I go trash because I don't know anything. I want to agree with Daniel. Mediocre. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, sounds man. good. Mediocre works. Yeah, mess. Mediocre. On the borderline, just yeah. Yeah, I got it. I'll put it somewhere. Yeah. Around those lines. Yeah. Now let's talk about a, a, a newer person. So uh, I'm saving a big one for the end, but let's talk about a newer person. So uh, you know Eric can get a little more involved in the credits. And Eric, I'm actually going to start with you, sir. Uh, let's talk about Dixie Carter. So this is more promoter than Booker, but like I said, we're being kind of liberal. Here. Uh, um, he wasn't a wrestling. In the known and as, as a wrestling, he was just an owner. But as a kind of a booker, I, I'm gonna say man. I, I think he started out maybe a little bit good at the beginning, but then it just faded away when uh, she she let Hogan and uh, Bischoff take over. Um, yeah, and then it was a disaster. But yeah, I'm gonna say man. Okay. When uh, before Hogan and Bischoff kind of took the reins, right? Yeah. The booking committee they had Russo, Terry Taylor, Jeff Jarrett, Jim Cornette, Dutch Mantel, Savio Vega, Mike Tanay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think even Gilberti, you know, Disco. Okay. Now, Disco was on the booking committee? He was either Booker or he There's was... a lot of bookers. Well, he was either on the committee or he was an agent. He may have just been an agent. But, so, anyway, so they're on this committee, and then, you know, Jeff Jarrett, you know, gets punished because he starts sleeping around with Karen Angle, even though her and Kurt were already divorced. And I don't know why Jeff was getting... I mean, Jeff was already getting punished by being with Karen Angle. Right? He was basically serving a person. Kurt's life sentence. So I don't know what the fuck everybody got mad at him for. He did Kurt a favor. Uh, so he got he he got you know basically told, hey, you're done. You know, you're you're out. You're gone. And oh, and BG James was also on the committee too. Yeah. All right. So all his people, because Dixie was mad at him because Dixie had to please Kurt. Yeah. Dixie got rid of Cornette. Dutch, Savio, told today, hey, look, you're just going to be an announcer again. And then, uh, and also got rid of BG James as well. And kept basically Cornette, Terry Taylor, and, uh, and Disco. Or whatever, right? Then, of course, Hogan and Bischoff come in. And Hogan gets on the committee along with Bischoff. And Dixie, of course, she's on there because she's an owner. Uh, and they bring in Jimmy Hart, Bubba the Love Sponge. I, I'm pretty sure Bubba had something to do with the booking. And uh, 
Don't you have to be able to read to do booking? You would think. That dude is probably the biggest fucking idiot. Besides, like, well, it was his claim to fame just being friends with Hulk. Yeah. It, being you friends with Hulk because uh, Hulk had sex with his wife. Um, oh. And yeah, he's a radio show host. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a radio show journey. Yeah. So any, uh, And then uh, there may have been a couple other people. I mean, they were basically... You were you were on the committee because uh, Hogan and Bischoff liked you, all right. And Dixie just Dixie thought Hulk was going to make her company number one. Which again right. is not necessarily a bad thing. Like just because Hulk Hogan likes you doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's a lot of guys he liked that were good for business at one time or another. You really think in 2010 the Nasty Boys, Jimmy Hart, and uh, and Brutus Beefcake were good for business? Jimmy Hart is always good for business. Number one. Number two, the Nasty Boys? Mm, Sags, maybe. The, the, the black the one, right? That's Sags. Yeah. Sags is, Sags is useful. Nobs is kind of a lunatic. Uh, let me think here. Uh, and Brutus Beefcake, you know what? If nothing else, he can teach you how to cut a promo. All right. But, like, so, but getting back to Dixie is that when Dixie started getting more TV time, that's when you started to realize she had no idea what the hell she was doing. And then she, they had this prime spot on Spike TV, right? Yeah. She realized yeah, everything right. was going to hell, so she secretly hired Vince Russo to help, you know, bring the company back to prominence, even though Spike violating had it contractually written that he would not be involved. Yeah. Like, she violated the contract she had with Spike TV because Spike TV wanted him nowhere near everything. (laughs) Just funny as fuck. Okay? That's how you know you're shitty. So she had to... She had it done in secret. The problem is, is that somebody from Spike found out because one of her, one of the TNA wrestlers did an interview saying that, oh yeah, Vince Russo's back. The people at Spike TV can read, believe yeah. it or not. Uh, so they saw that and they're like, all right, yeah, you're getting the fuck off our network. Yeah. Okay, so here's my thing. I would say now this is not this is going to sound way harsher to Tony Khan than I mean it to, but she was basically Tony Khan 1.0, right? She was Daddy, buy me a wrestling company, and he did. Because the initial money after the Jarretts was from her father. The owner okay. of Panda Energy, now, yep. Yep, Her, right. So so literally that's what it was. She got, you know, she got the wrong people got in her ear, namely Vince Russo, who, you know, was not in his, was certainly not doing anything useful anywhere at that point. And then the Hogan, you know, Hogan, now Hogan and Bischoff could have, might have got something done. Unless, but they realized when they got there, they had a complete blithering idiot 
as their boss, so they were going to get theirs while they could. Now, had they, you know, had she, had someone like Dusty or, I don't know, anybody with some gravitas in wrestling still been there, maybe they could have got something out of that. More than it did get out of it, right? So, you know, and I think, you know, perhaps my favorite Dixie story is allegedly uh, Scott Hall was quite enamored with her. He's enamored with everybody. Well, well, the sexually, Daniel. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he's sexually. Well, he's he's not sexually enamored with anybody right now. I'm but, sure Dixie Carter's no Kevin Nash though. Uh, God, well, God rest, hey. now, hey, God rest Razor's soul because I Razor was one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, rest in peace, please. No, we can't slander that man. I fucking love, uh, Scott Hall's the, the legend. Well, I apologize. This is the first time that I've gone overboard. Well, not the first time I've gone overboard on the show, but this is the first time that. This is the first time that I will apologize for going overboard on this show. Yeah. No, you're just joking. In your defense, it was funny. You know, so it was you funny, really get yeah. that. It was a funny Okay, joke. so yeah, so, so that's, you yeah. know, had different people got in the ear and things went a little differently, you know, maybe TNA would have stayed a little more relevant, at least a little longer. But that's not what happened. And that's now we have Impact, which isn't even on television. Personally, I'd put her in trash just because I think for the talent level you had to let it turned into what it is now, which is basically, like, and I hear Impact's good. I'm not going to watch it. I hear it's good. I don't believe but, that. But not a lot of people. It's got five viewers, and those five people really like it. So that's <laughs> good for them. But uh, that's one of them. And, and that's great. You know, I mean, but they're obviously not as prominent as they were before. And they were getting really prominent. And she, like, she had Joe. She had AJ. She had all these fucking people. And just, just so many people. <laughs> Save it, that yeah. whole exposition, the knockouts before the women's revolution, a, a loaded tag team division with the guns and shit. Like, they just had so much. So so I can't really forgive her for fucking all that. I know it's not all her fault and it's the people she brought in, but it got fucked up and the, the head of the company is going to fall for that. She's trash for me. When she, uh, when she knew things were going to hell and she brought in Billy Corgan to try to help things, right? Yeah. And Billy Corgan was going to buy the company. Yeah. I, but Billy Corgan also told her, it's like, look, if I buy the company, you got to go. Like, you stuck. The company sucks. You're dragging, you're dragging it down. If I buy it, you're done. Yeah. Like, you're out. See ya. Uh, she didn't like that. So what she tried to do was uh, John Gaborik, uh, big, you know, he, he was in the company. He still has contacts over at WWE. So she had Big call WWE and say, hey, do you want to buy our tape library? She was going to sell the company to WWE because she did not like the fact that Billy Corgan said, I could save this place, but you got to blow. Well, yeah, but is Corgan really going to save To be honest, though, to be honest, though, it probably was a smarter business. Or the tape library is worth more than anything that was ever going to come next. 
I've read the Handicate Library on Peacock. And anyway, I'm I'm going to say trash with you because I know that like we're talking way too much here. Trash, definitely trash. Trash. And uh, Billy Corbin owns uh, NWA. Yeah. And and you see how that's being. You see how nothing's happening there. Uh, do you agree, Eric Clements? We all go in trash, or yeah, yeah. I, I originally said yeah. yeah, so I'll just say that. Right. Let's go to somebody that might be certifiably a genius. Uh, the the man behind uh, Mid South, Phil Watts. Mid South Elite, WCW, uh, WCW garbage. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, I just, in a way, in a way, I think you could argue that the problem with what he was doing again with WCW was corporate America was, was rearing its ugly head. And Bill Watts was trying to get it back down to something. You know, he was trying to still discipline in the locker room. And, you know, the guys might not like that, but you know what? When he was running a tight ship in himself, ton of money. Okay, so yeah, it might suck that you had to stay at the arena longer and fight to the last match, but you know what? You're making a shit ton of money, right? Yeah. Uh, you might have to know, know not know when you don't get guys. Okay, you can't jump off. Not every idiot can go out there and jump off the top rope anymore. You wait till you get a guy who's really good at it. It makes it something worth something. You know, and I think that had he been given a little more time, he could have done uh, um, something. And I, the only knock against him in WCW is that, yeah, the boys had to make less. They got they got a little more strict, and they did. Some of them made a lot less money, but other than that, you know, the hey, that's business, right? I mean, that's why the Booker and the boys. Are two different sets of sets of business, right? The Booker don't hang out with the boys. The boys don't hang out with the Booker. Right? Yeah. Just just like in baseball, the the manager manager drinks in the hotel bar. The boys got to find another place to drink. Yep. Very true. So. So yeah, you know, given that handcuff, is mid self stuff genius? Yeah, I mean. Junkyard dog, just like everything he did, like and it was happening. It was one of the most successful. Like of all people, the fact that Vince was most scared of Bill Watts and all the territories, it tells you something. Uh, Bill Watts, he say, to this day he said the only one that I thought could ever rival or rival me was Bill Watts. He had a hopping business. It was super over, and they made the most money. He had the best program. On TBS, all right, because he, I think he had, did he have the Saturday night or the Sunday night slot? I'm not sure, but whatever slot he had, he made every, got every penny he's worth out of it. Yeah, because he had that slot, and then he thought he was going to be the number one show on TBS, but then uh, Crockett's made the move, and they ended up on there. But, like, if he would have kept that TBS time slot, you know, he could have given Vince a run for his money. Mm-hmm. 
And think, you think about the area that Mid-South covers. I mean, if he's making money in places that, like, you know, he's making places and money in places like Homa, Louisiana, which to give you an idea how far south Homa, Louisiana is, it's 30 minutes past New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you're making, like, a lot of money in Mississippi and the most fun thing to do to, do in Mississippi is drive to New Orleans, I'll get the fuck out of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. If you can draw in Biloxi, you're you're doing something right. Yeah. So th- the fact that he was doing that I- again, mid south. If we're going just based on mid south, I would say elite. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. because we also have to count his WCW run, that takes him down. Not a lot, but I think it takes him down to very good. It doesn't. Yes. For yeah. Me, I agree. It doesn't for me because. We're not doing Vince this time, but he would be an elite for me, and he's had a lot of bad shit too. I, I think what the bill did for me outweighed the bad, especially because the bad wasn't really all that bad, like Tony was saying. It's not like his WCW stuff was trash. Maybe a bit boring, but I'm sure we're gonna, you know, rank Vern Gagne pretty high, and AWA is nearly unwatchable. Well, that's not entirely. But see, that's that's not see that that's a totally different discussion because I think that's an impression that has been made by the way WWE rewrites history. Because the truth is, AWA was had the best promos in wrestling, hands down, better than the Mid South. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I'm talking about in-ring at times, work. and and even then, the in-ring work was exciting. It wasn't because they did wasn't. It wasn't exciting in the same way as Mid South, but that's because they had different a different crowd and a different style. No, but yeah, I, think, I, I get you know, that. I, I, my opinion personally is going on watching tapes of, of both programs, and every time I watch AWA, it's kind of like Nyquil. They, they did have a lot of great matches, but their booking style wasn't always for me. But it was also no, I can understand it. Okay, so him and I are saying very. Uh, Kenny and I are saying very good. You're saying elite. If the whole uh, squad wants to do very good, then I can get with that. All right, Fred, Barney, where are you putting where are you putting Watts? I'm putting very good. Very good. There you go. I'm not mad at that. Uh, Want to do a couple more so Clinton can watch SmackDown? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got to figure. You got to. This is going to be interesting because there's two or three names I'd put in here, and each of them could do their own show length thing. So I can't wait to hear what you got. Uh, One, I mean, because there's so many. Uh, This is going to be a part two. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, it's a slow news week when we do a part two. Uh, But. One person for sure that I had to talk about is Paul Heyman. Paul E. Davis. Yes. The mad uh, scientist. Oh, yeah. He's still Please. doing his thing to this day. Well, is he... Is, no, he's, he's, just an, he's just an on-air character now because he fucked over so many people. Okay. But oh, yeah, I'm sure. But he's still Heyman. writing his own shit. Yeah. No one's giving him those lights. He's fucked over so many people, but the people he's fucked over will still like say the nicest things about him at his funeral. Well, he is a and I can explain that to you a little bit, up, especially if they're the ones that kill him. But 
you know, and I can explain to you why, because I had my trainer, Blackjack Phoenix, he, he met Paul Heyman several times, worked on one of the last ECW shows ever. And he said, the reason it is because Paul Heyman, when he's talking to you, makes you feel you are the center. doesn't matter where you are in the card or where you are in life. He makes you feel like you're the center of the universe, that the sun shines out your ass, and that everything you do is you can do no wrong. And that is why people still, who 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 he has cost tons of money and any other thing, love will never will, will never will hate him. They might be pissed off at him, but they'll never hate him. And, and here's here's the good. thing about here here's the thing about Heyman. When you when you're fucking like when you uh basically. Like, get told, when you get called by another promoter that says, hey, you know, this talent's coming up real soon, do you want them? And, and, like, as a gesture of good faith, but it turns out that Heyman's already been talking to that person behind their back anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, okay, I'm a, but Paul is also, he's such a creative genius. Such a creative genius. That, I like, think, and in terms, you might have to say he might be the pen, the ultimate booker because he doesn't simply. He was, you know, it was his yes, his storylines and everything, but also the fact that he would edit the matches so they didn't, you know, they look seamless and like hell, Vince isn't even that like involved in it when he was in his prime. Vince wasn't in the editing, drop cutting cutting tape together. Now, granted, of course, when you're working out of uh, uh, Juan Buffon or Charlie Brudy's parents' basement or whatever the hell, or, uh, oh, who is it? Um, Gabe Sapolsky's basement, cutting tape together. It's another, it's another story, but still. But, I mean, personally, I'm going to put the guy, if, if we're going on Booker, please. Yeah, exactly. He's just, he's come up with way too much stuff. I mean, and ECW is just such a brilliant period on its own. And, and that's his brainchild. It's not one of those things that you can really give credit to. I mean, all the talent, of course, and uh, Todd, whatever his name was, Todd Gordon. Todd Gordon. Yeah, but uh, that was Paulie's baby, and you knew it, and it just created, that, that was his creative output. That's when he really, like, and that. It was so good. And even, like, the stuff he's done for WWE, that's he usually... He was a headliner SmackDown, and they were the number one show, even though they were taped. That's when they were killing it, is when he was there. Which Pritchard said... Pritchard still tries to say it wasn't a thing, but it it, it was. He's, I don't know where he's coming from. Well, Pritchard's a moron. All right, Pritchard tore his rotator cuff, giving Vince McMahon a hand job. But Paul Hayden is just way too genius. Just... And the, I just love – he's one of those guys that you can listen to interviews and you see how smart he is. Like, just him talking about wrestling, you're like, holy shit. Like, this guy's so smart. Here's the thing. If he went up to Conrad Johnson and said, Connie, uh, I want to do a podcast with you, That'll be the best. I can guarantee you Conrad would uh, would either take on the 10th podcast and just have the podcast, or he would tell – Three of his other people to go fuck yourself 
I got to have him. Yeah, and that's the thing. We're only talking about him as a booker. He's also, like, the best promo ever. Best promo, but, best storyteller. Oh, certainly up there. Remember when he came back with Brock? Yeah. He had a big, he had a bigger, if not, big ass, if not bigger prop than Brock got. Yeah. Oh, not, man, so man, I should tell y'all. He's the devil. <laughs> yeah. He's I'm going to So, yep. the other thing about Paul Heyman that was geniuses, he kind of went, he understood something that the WWE completely threw away and that, that 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 really is an old school tactic, but he kind of modernized it. He made the company the good guy. He made the company what was important, right? It wasn't yeah. simply one wrestler that lives and dies on the hill. No, he made ECW important. If EC, the fans cared about ECW, yes, they had their favorites. They had the Rob Van Nams and the Tommy Dreamer and Raven and all that, but he, those guys, even as essential as they were to the product, would not, was not, were at least in the fans' minds, not what was keeping the product alive. It was them. It was the fans. The fans felt involved, which is kind of why you see what what happened to Crockett Promotions was they took, they got was one of the big hits that would that put them to rest was they uh, took over the Omni and they got rid of basically the more or less what were season ticket holders for years and that yeah. caused bad blood for them in a huge market right you had the w- Crockett people who loved Jim Crockett promotions were now pissed off at him because they took their seat no they were kids and their dad was buying them or their granddad was buying them seats and so on and so forth but Paul Heyman knew that, that the best way to beat these guys was to make his company the beloved thing. That is such a great point. Because everybody else, like even Vince, he makes his stars. Yeah. You know, and, and you come to see the star, but Paul, Paul Heyman they, they knocked it on the head there, Kenny did. with the, that, Those fans were rabid for ECW. Yeah. It was all about ECW and we like the big two were like the worst thing ever. WCW and WWE were like fucking like like uh, the Nazis to them, you know. And but ECW they, they just hated. They didn't dis. They disliked the WWF, but they respected Vince McMahon. But they hated yeah. Eric Bischoff and WCW. Yeah. That's well, everybody true. hated Eric Bischoff and WCW. All right, so are we in agreement that Heyman goes in the lead? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I think absolutely Paul Heyman goes in the lead. All right, we we got time for a couple more names here. Uh, one one person I really wanted to talk about. He he's more of a promoter, I, I guess, too. But uh, Herb Abrams. Oh the, Lord. In the UWF. Okay, so when you debut your company at a fan fest run by uh, Kenny's uh, uh, older doppelganger, doppelganger uh, John Arezzi, uh and you tell people your top star is going to be Bruiser Brody, and Please your booker 
is yeah, and your booker is Blackjack Mulligan. This is 1990. Brody's been dead two years, and uh, Blackjack Mulligan is in jail. Yeah, Blackjack Black Mulligan. Blackjack Mulligan was making big money in 1990. Problem was, it was about three was and illegal. quarter inches too big. Yeah. No, problem was it was three quarter inches too big. Damn, ruined the yeah. joke, Doug. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> uh, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Yeah. Uh, basically, what Kenny's trying to say is it was counterfeit money. Well, Abrams was cool with that. Wasn't he the Coke and Hookers guy anyway? Yeah. No, he was cool with that. The problem is is that he didn't know that those guys weren't available. Uh, Apparently, he didn't have a Ouija board that could get Brody out of his grave. The UWF did have some talent, though. Yeah, if you're going to build the company on Dr. Death Steve Williams and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, you're not doing a bad thing. No. But it was I mean, just so incompetent. Here's it. Here's what it is. Paul or Herb Abrams is literally Paulie Danger is Paul Heyman without any ability or talent or anything related to professional wrestling. Basically, this is what what Herb Abrams is. He's Paul Heyman minus anything to do with professional wrestling because he's a he's a lunatic. Madman, who, in spite of what he's done, all the guys who work for him, it can only be summed up with B. Brian Blair saying how the the man died doing what he loved, cocaineed strippers, and B. Brian Blair made that an emotionally moving statement on Dark Side of the Ring. And... Uh, in that same episode of Dark Side of the Ring, they asked Mick Foley, if Herb Abrams were alive today, what would he be doing? And Mick Foley said, time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I think, you know, in, in the level of incompetence, like, you go and watch any of those, but particularly the Blackjack Brawl, holy shit, some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see. First of all, the ring announcer... I don't know what what planet this guy was at from. He couldn't pronounce Candy Divine or Mondo Guerrero. They spelled Guerrero wrong. Oh, and best the best thing is they clearly wanted him to come out to Rico Suave's the Rico Suave song. And what they what he came out to was the parody that Weird Al did called Taco Grande. Now imagine you are the son of Texas Mexican wrestling legend and a proud Mexican and you're coming out to a song called Taco Grande. Yeah. Fucked up. Among other problems. So we putting old uh, Abrams in trash or? Yeah. If we're putting in, like, an interesting human beings out of fame, he'd be elite. But, yeah, he's a trash. <laughs> he is very interesting. Well, I wanted to talk about it. All right. All right. I got, I got 
two, I mean, there's so many people, but the two more that I really want to get into, because uh, we'll do a part two where we talk about Fritz, uh, Vern, Carlos Colon, all the legends. But uh, let's get into Mr. James E. Cornette, the mind behind Smokey Mouth. Thank God he's not a book. Yeah. Because he would go backwards just like uh, Watts would. Yes, just like Watts did. He did have a brilliant mind. But the problem is, is that he's mind. also another one of those that his way is the right way. Everybody else is wrong. Yeah. And I like Cornette, but sometimes like his opinions, especially on today's wrestling, are just, dude, Get over it. We're in 2022, not 1982. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, his way of professional wrestling is not, like, some of it would work nowadays. Some of it, like, his thoughts on AEW, I know you don't want to hear it, Eric, but I I do agree with a lot of Cornette's thoughts. I don't care. (laughs) Well, here's here's another thing that... uh, Eric's not necessarily going to agree with. He put out a tweet today. He said, Austin Theory is 10 times the worker, always has been, always will be, 10 times the worker that Kenny Omega ever ever was. I I actually got on somebody for saying, I said, Cornette has his way to his opinion. may not be right. You might not agree, but he has his right to his opinion. Yeah. If only well, your buddy Frank felt that way about you. I, I don't care what Kim Cornette says anymore. He, 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 he does it for ratings. He does it for clicks. He does it for reaction. All right. I, I'm going to say I'm gonna say this right now. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say that as far as his booking goes, I would stay mediocre. Really? Yeah. What? All right. Yeah, do you mind? <laughs> Probably. All right. Especially since I'm going to say this. Like, for people like like Jim Cornette and Bully Ray's kind of the same way, because him and Bully kind of have the same thing. Yeah. All right, that's how I know Jim Cornette is wrong, because he agrees with both. They're allowed to have those opinions because they're given the format and the platform to do that. Yeah. All right? Is that? Like you are. want them to stop? You don't, want, you don't want them to have opinions anymore? Don't. Stop them in the middle of the street. Punch them in the fucking throat and do permanent damage to their to their voice box. But we're not talking about the opinions. We're talking about them as bookers. And I think as a booker, he at least has to go on very good. I mean, Smoky Mountain, the old Smoky Mountain is very fun to watch. It's one of the last great territories, I would say. It was and gave it a shot to try to make it a territory when that was clearly not going to happen anymore. His, he really helped Vince in the early stages. He, him and Russo fucking class, but he did a lot there uh, at the beginning of the new generation era or whatever the fuck. Kind of middle And of the new generation beginning of attitude. So he did that. He fucking, he was the guy at Smoky Mountain, or not Smoky Mountain, fucking Ohio Valley when that big four of Cena, Batista, uh, Randy, and Shelton came through. He helped develop them, and, and he booked them as... Uh, and Brock. And Brock. As uh, you know, developmental kids, he booked them, and, and he did a lot of booking in WCW too, right? Booking in WCW, plus, like you said earlier, TNA too. And TNA, and 
So I think Corny is at least very good because I think he's got a lot of great ideas. And for what his vision of what pro wrestling should be and the baby face and the heel, and I think that is a correct vision. I do think there are some things that he's not that great at, but uh, I don't mind his book. Uh, what do you think, Kenny? Okay, so here's my stance on this. Several things here are need to be understood. Number one, he was the last person to actually promote professional fucking wrestling in the United States, in my opinion. Actual professional wrestling, not this hybrid sports entertainment garbage that, yes, for was exciting for about two or three years, and then it, yeah. Okay, without nothing against, nothing against, again, nothing against most of the guys today. I think even guys like Omega, you know, who I personally don't like for several reasons. Like, there's nothing nothing against them and their style, but you know what? Also, you also fucking mess with a blow-up doll, so fuck you, too. So, you know, <laughs> I think I think that it's disgusting. It's not just disgusting because I give a shit about professional wrestling. It's disgusting because other people have, you know, there are p- people who have severely died or crippled themselves trying to be a real professional wrestler. That's why it's disgusting to me because he fucking, you know, it's like he, he, these kind of stuff. That's what, But that's a totally different thing. But Cornette, maybe along with Dr. Tom Pritchard, is, are the two most unsung uh, minds behind the, that whole new generation of talent in the WWE because Tom Pritchard was the guy who trained The Rock. It, for really, I mean, yeah, he worked out with his dad some, but he wasn't. They didn't train him. Train him. He trained the Rock. He trained, you know, uh, Orton and all those guys that you brought up. And Cornette was the guy who booked those guys first, for the most part, except the Rock, obviously. But the other guys are the two most unsung heroes of that era. And as far as Smoky Mountain goes, until the very end when it got shitty because Rick Rubin pulled out and he didn't have money anymore. His booking was great. It was in some sense, yes, it was it was simplistic, but again, simple things, you know, are often the best things, right? I mean, blues is only played in two keys, and how great, there are so many people who love blues, right? How many, how many songs are popular only three chords, and people still love those so there's something to be said about simplicity, um, you know. And you look at what he, you know, and you, and, and you look at, you know, even though he wasn't technically Booker, his ideas for the him and the Midnights and all the stuff they did were largely his ideas, you know. And it got over and it made money. I mean, it, it's funny to think about it, but there, there was a time like when he there with you guys, you know, in the top tier of a manager up in the top tier of a stars of wrestling. And uh, I, I think he's the biggest knock against him. And I should have mentioned this about Paul, too. The knock against Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette to some extent is they weren't really good at booking women. Oh, now, yeah. whether it's because of what? I, I, I'm agreeing with you. Well, Cornette's a sexist pig. Well, so was everybody. And I, I think, and I, I, I actually disagree with the, I don't think, I think Cornette and 
I think Paul was worse at it. I think Cornette got, although Cornette got lucky because he got Tammy. Tammy was way more talented than some of the women Paul was getting at the time. Um. So yeah, so that's that's part of it. But like again, their ideas, both of their ideas with women were very simplistic, very southern in a way. Not that there's anything wrong with the South. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I think Cornette, uh, there's a lot of stuff he came up with, a lot of stuff he did. There's a lot of stuff I think he gets no credit for, and I think there's a lot of stuff that um, he did that was absolutely 100% amazing. And I think he is in a, certainly in the elite because he ran whatever else you can take away from him. He ran a professional wrestling territory at a time when professional wrestling was not what people were, well, it was, people were always like something new a little bit at first. They were, they were getting away from that style. Very right? true. Yeah. He Where was would so you rank him as a booker? Elite. He's up there. Well, I think very good. Clemens? Uh, I don't All right. Uh, we're running out of air time, so I I wanted to get into Tony Khan and we could all argue about it because I know Eric loves AEW. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if we have enough time. Uh, you want to rank off the list as we got it so far, Doug? We have Dusty Rhodes, Paul Heyman. Very good. Bill Dundee, Bill Watts, Jim Cornette. Mediocre, Vince Russo. Ollie Anderson's on the border of mediocre and meh. And then garbage, we have Dixie Carter and Herb Abrams. So we won't have a full discussion about it, but from what you've seen of AEW so far, Kenny, if I just said the name Tony Khan, where would you rank him? With that, just no explanation. With no explanation. Okay, I, well, that's almost impossible. Um, all I would say is this, is that I don't think he's been given the right tools to actually show what he could do as a booker. Let me put it that way. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, Doug, you want to hit up the plugs and then we can go? Yeah. Anyone that wants to hang up can hang up. Uh, Kenny, thank you for joining us. Quinnip, thank you. Well, it's a pleasure as always. Keep me That's in mind. Right. I'm always, always around. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Kenny. I promise you. Okay, guys. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Smart, uh, Smart Wrestling Outlet, Wednesdays, Mixer.com slash Wrestling Outlet, uh, 10, 15, 10, 20 Eastern Time, Saturday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Mixer.com slash Hollywood Hangout, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time every Friday night for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast, blogtalkradio.com slash Everything Unscripted. Next week, we're going to cover Bash at the Beach 97. It might just be you and I because Eric's got a family obligation. Okay. That's next week, right, Eric? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Clint is going to be able to join or whatever, uh, but that's next week. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted, unscripted unlimited. We're each going to give our list for our top 10 
favorite Big Brother winners. Eric, are you going to be on? Yes, I should be. Okay. All right. And for Sunday on the Stabcast, me and Mindy will be talking about the movie Poor Agnes. And uh, so check us out uh, either one or three, or yeah, probably three on Sunday. Yeah, probably. The cave, the, Monday. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah. Stabcast, 3 p.m. on Sunday. The Web Cave on Monday with me and Bobby. We're going to be doing a Superman discussion. We're going to be talking about comics, movies, TV shows, everything Superman. So, and Doug's joining us, whether he knows it or not. Uh, yeah, actually, you did ask me. The, actually, no, you didn't even ask me. You told me. And Danielle is going to be uh, to his girlfriend. Oh, boy. And you guys have very different Lois Lane takes, so I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Uh, it's right. going to so, so be a good that. one. Uh, we're on YouTube, uh, DDE Collectibles Vlog. Uh, I'm also going to be doing stuff to plug the podcast and all that on, on there, too. Yeah. Like, subscribe, comment. Um. To the to the to the YouTube channel, probably putting up another video sometime this weekend. Uh, August sixth on Unscripted Unlimited, we're going to count down the top ten greatest cartoons or best cartoon theme songs of all time. Eric's been handing out ballots. I'm going to start handing out ballots. I've been asking people on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook group chat going on right now where I'm trying to get people to join. Uh, if you have if you're in that group chat and you have not given a list yet. Hurry the fuck up. All right. And with that being said, Eric, it's always a pleasure, and we'll see everybody next week. Yeah. Later. Later.